Hey everybody, it's me again. We got the cloud lifters going. Audio is sounding good. This episode of the podcast, I am interviewing a good friend of mine and co-worker, G. Clef. He is he's a guy who's done just about everything um, as far as the line of work we both work in is. He's done casting in Korean. He's done casting in English. He's done live translation. Um, he's also done a whole bunch of stuff in other different shows helping me out. And so I was really excited to talk to him here today. One quick note is we had more breaks than normal in this podcast. Basically, I record this podcast in my apartment. And I got these big curtains that block out all the sun because I'm a nerd and I don't want sunlight in my house when I'm playing games. But it also, it makes it really hot. Korean summers get brutally, brutally, brutally hot. And um, as we were recording the podcast, I swear to God, 20 minutes in, I almost... I wanted to take my pants off because it was so hot. And I thought this would be the first interview I've done where I start taking my clothes off in it. Um, instead, we went for a break. But it just got so hot in here. Um, so uh, as this goes on, basically, we do the podcast and we take a break. Then we come, uh, you know, we cool off, get some AC on here. We turn it off because we can't have the fans and the AC going. Otherwise, it interferes with the audio equipment. I think you guys will get the idea. Real quick here. If you can, if you love me, if you love us at the Tasteless Podcast, please support us at patreon.com forward slash Tasteless Podcast. And without further ado, let's go into episode five with G-Clef. G-Clef, welcome to the show. Hello. It's good to have you on here, man. Uh, I had a whole idea of how I'd start this out, but we've had some crazy, some crazy news come out. The Blizzard um, apparently canceled... A StarCraft first-person shooter game. I guess this happened while we were all sleeping over here in Korea. Yeah, I just also read it on one of the social media, so I was pretty surprised. And yeah, they're having a few other titles. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's going to be two um, two titles. I, no, we don't know what the other one is, do we? Melty, is there any information on there of the other one or any leaks? I don't think we found anything yet, right? No. So, um, yeah, I, I what's weird about it is that there was actually. Um, Starcraft Ghost a long time ago was being made. Which one is that? Starcraft Ghost was coming out. I actually saw that in person in the Worldwide Invitational in France. You know, Blizzard used to have not just BlizzCon, but they had this like, it would be in Korea or be in Europe or somewhere else. Um, And I think that was possibly going to be on Xbox One. It's like a long time ago. (laughs) So it was like an RTS or a shooting game? No, it was a shooting game. Okay. It looked kind of like Halo, maybe like third person Halo. Ah, So it's been a long time ago. Yeah. And then that got canceled and um, I never thought they were going to go back to it. But I guess I guess they were using the Overwatch uh, uh, from what what the article says. We don't know for sure. But um, from what's been leaked, they were using the Overwatch engine and trying to make something like a Call of Duty starcraft shooting game but i guess that's been scrapped i guess this was going on for two years that's a shocking news and did they didn't they also mention some other titles on it uh with overwatch and diablo 4 right diablo 4 was actually the one that caught my eyes yeah so but well here's what's weird about this i'm not clear if blizzard ever directly said they were making diablo 4 that was leaked after the diablo immortal uh cell phone announcement debacle where um the developers were booed on stage um and I, somehow it ended up getting leaked out they were working on a second diablo game which 
supposedly was going to be, I, I guess, look, it was going to be 3D, so not like looking like, um, I guess, the traditional older not Blizzard from games. from like the bird eye angle. Bird's eye angle, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Or I guess the Koreans call it observer angle or whatever. Um, but it was going to probably look uh, maybe possibly like Dark Souls. Ah, like first person. Yeah, or like third person just behind uh, the, the character. Uh, that, I don't know about it. I don't know what it, I even think about it because yeah, the reason why a lot of Diablo fans, I personally think, is because we have we get that bird eye view and we get to see the entire map of what happens. Yeah, if it actually becomes a three D like FPS shooter game, uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to like it. Personally, that's what I believe well, in. I'm not sure. I think the the StarCraft canceled game was going to be the shooter. I I mean, again, we don't work at Blizzard, we don't know, but um, and then. There's some Diablo 4 PC, maybe it'll have some console play in there as well. It seems like Blizzard now wants to have everything on PC, is and then either on a phone or on a console. Doesn't seem like anything's going to be pure PC from here on out. But um, yeah, it, I guess all of these uh, people that were working on uh, this apparent StarCraft FPS game and then uh, whatever else they were working on have been moved now to to have more work done on Overwatch and apparently this Diablo 4 game. Do you have any? Do you have any instant reaction on that? I'm a big, big Diablo fan. Right after StarCraft Number One, long time ago, that was like the first, first RTS game that I actually got hooked into, real PC game. And then right after it was Diablo, which hit Korea really. Big. Everyone, everyone from the PC bang, everyone was playing Diablo, either Diablo or StarCraft. That was just it. Like that's super early 2000, 2000 year 2000, 2001, up to 2002 ish. And I left the U.S. after that, so I don't know what happened. But still, it was one of the best best games. I would still say Diablo 2. I had the most enjoyable moment, and I had those like Jordan rings, yeah, <laughs> Wind Force, those I like getting all the items, and you get and the bird's eye view. I think it's a key of just going around Diablo, and one of the key factors of the game. If they change the entire view of it and make it into somewhat like an FPS, uh, I don't, I don't think I will actually play it. Really? You don't think you give it a shot? I'll give it a shot, but if I, it it's gonna be it's gonna be different. Yeah. And I've tried a few other games. I've tried a few other games. What's the uh, what's the other one called that from Activision that they came in the guard Guardian Destiny Guardians? I've tried Destiny a little bit. Oh, Destiny. Yeah, Destiny Guardians, which is basically like a little bit of a hyper FPS future ish. Yeah, it's kind of like um, what is that like? That was made Robots. by some, some of the people from Bungie, right? They did kind of like I Halo. Think, I think some of the people that made Halo. It looks really similar. Came out of and that. Yeah. I I bought it and then ended up playing less than twenty hours on it yeah. because it didn't really hook me in. You didn't know? gel it, with you. Yeah. Yeah, I I I wonder. You know, it, it would make sense if they're gonna use. And by the way, um, Melty was showing me a little bit ago. Apparently. Uh, there's some rumors of possibly like an Overwatch 2, or at least that's what it's been nicknamed, or uh, something that might have a large PvE environment, and this would be comparable to Left to Dead, which Valve made. Um, and we've talked about this on, on other podcasts, kind of companies copying um, each other, and um, you know similarities growing, I guess within the tech industry in general. How you know Twitch kind of looks a little bit more like a social media platform now. Mm-hmm. How Facebook is doing more streaming. We're seeing a little bit of that in, in the gaming industry. Um, I. I it, it it would sort of make sense though that Blizzard would be trying to take advantage of the Overwatch engine to do a lot of other stuff because I mean they sort of did this with Heroes of the Storm and by the way I want us to talk about Heroes of the Storm a little bit later on 
Sure. In the po- I know a lot of people are tuning in to hear that. I just wanted to get some instant takes on this news that we had here uh, and catch up with you specifically more. But, um, you know, Heroes of the Storm was built off of the StarCraft II engine. Yes. So I guess in, in on some level, this is not... This is not too much of a shock that they would have some kind of a 3D, uh, a three-dimensional game engine where they're trying to make all their games inside of. With the Overwatch engine, which looks totally different from StarCraft. Yeah, so I guess this is their new engine for... I mean, well, it, this is the launch point for all, all other you know games that are going to be 3D. That's, I guess, yeah. That, it, that's interesting. I've been, I, I have been seeing just... Because Overwatch just opened up their... You can like customize all the games now and make up new custom source of games and have uh, like create some new modes and then let all the people play it. And some of them actually looked really, really cool. Didn't really give a give it a try too much. But if they use the same engine and have all all these different sources, it could work out. I I don't I can't really imagine what it's going to be like. So right now yeah. I I have less. Uh, I'm not really having high expectations at the moment, but. The end result could surprise me. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's going to be cool to see what happens. I guess we're going to have to wait until BlizzCon. I think because uh, the last BlizzCon, I was at that personally, and, and that announcement with the Diablo Immortal was, was such a dumpster fire. There's a P- PR nightmare. Um, I think they're going to have to try to come back with some kind of a win here or some kind of a big announcement to try to redeem themselves. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're going to be in a pretty tough spot. Um if I could just shift gears here real quick, mm-hmm. um, I always find it interesting how people manage to get into esports because there isn't really a path in. Now I know that there's. I don't know. I don't know how much you know about this, but do you know about these esports programs at universities, Cla- you- like classes, yeah, or majors. Yeah, did you know about this esports major? Yeah, I'm serious. I I've heard like few countries are actually trying like different stuff in, in the school. Who the fuck's teaching that? You. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who's uh, who's doing that. I know they have esports programs at schools. So by the way, I, I'm for this. I just don't know, even know who's who's there. Nobody I know who's prominent in the industry is is lecturing at these or anything like that. But there's apparently um, I know that there's varsity stuff for teams. Um, and, and scholarships, but there's apparently schools and lectures you can get on this. But uh, what I was trying to get at is like for someone like you and me, and probably for most people who work in the industry, no path on how to get to where we are. It's kind of an odd job, requires a bunch of odd skill sets that range from being antisocial enough to stay in all you know all day to <laughs> yes to play games to being um, since you've done casting and, and, and live translation social enough also to stand in front of an audience and, and speak and then um all the other weird skill sets in between being stubborn enough to not finish school um or to not give up at, at grinding at a game that at the time when you were playing probably you were almost certain did not matter and would not help you in the long run in life uh, so what is what is your story how on earth did you get to where you are because out of all the people i've worked with and i've had on this show you have the most diverse talent background. I've worked on you where you're helping to just run the entire show itself. You've done casting before. Mm-hmm. I've seen you do live translations. I've seen you do everything. So how does someone like you get to where you are? First, 
you need to like games. <laughs> well, yeah. I liked games. I played games all my life since elementary school. Uh, starting from StarCraft, Rainbow Six, Diablo, lots of RPGs, lots of rhythm games, lots of competitive games. In what the rhythm games did you play? There were a lot. Like, did you play Beat Mania? Yes. Yeah, time dude. Ago. Yes. Yeah. High five. High five. I can't reach you, but <laughs> high five. Sweaty, nasty high five. Um, yeah, man. That game was the best. Did you do five key or seven key? Five key and seven key. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm pretty good. I've never met people I, who've I, actually played that game. I even went to arcades to actually have the hard hardcore way. And then have even have the disc on the side and the foot stomp. And... There are lots That's of machines easy for to it. DJ. Yeah, you know my brother's like easy to DJ and beat and beat mania too. You know, Day nine, my brother, he's like grandmaster of beat mania or whatever you want to call whatever the term is. Really, he can, he can do like the both seven keys on each hand, and then the two turntables. He can do the whole thing. <laughs> That's next. Yeah. I can't do that. That's next level. By the way, real wow. quick here, uh, esports programs, University of California, Irvine, mm, Irvine. next to Blizzard. Uh, other ones, Robert Morris University, University of pikeville i believe that's how i say that columbia college garns oh it's a, it's a norwegian school all right i i wasn't sure it looked like it was written in klingon i don't know how to say that uh school there's uh another one in sweden <laughs> i'm so sorry wmeimg academy they're a talent agency i know of them in the united states so i don't know if that's as much of a school as it is um and the taste, like, and the tasteless podcast and the tasteless podcast uh yes so and, and anyway so you so you grew up playing games obviously you play games but what is your specific um story so you you were playing a ton of games yeah i played tons of game throughout my life and elementary school education in started from korea then i moved to moved to us studying from middle school and of course, high school was that scary moving from um, Korea to the states because kids are are assholes. No, not no? at first because you know what my parents did. What? So they sent me to Florida, near my uh, not near Miami. So they near, sent you to the weirdest near, state near, in, in the United <laughs> States to get you broken in. Yeah, near Sealand, Disney World, and all the beaches. Okay, and then. Of course, I like USA. Yeah, things to play everywhere. Mickey Mouse. And go out to go out to the shore like every like five out of seven days. Like all the food's great. It's meat everywhere, and I can just have I can just go outside and do whatever I want. I can just play Nintendo all day long. Mom and Dad, I love US. Okay, let's go to US. So they <coughs> sent me to this. Uh, they made me homestay in one of the one of the. Home, they call it homestay. Something they call like it homestay. What is that? Like you're living. I know what you're talking about. I know I had, I yeah. knew people that like, they'd visit Japan when they were young and they'd stay with a Japanese family uh-huh. and they'd have dinner with them. Yeah, they just have an extra room for you and then right. you, you always eat with them and basically live with them. You're like for them it was like the adopted American kid and with the Japanese family and you were like the adopted, in this case Korean kid with the American family getting to acculturate. Mm-hmm. For a uh, month, I believe about four weeks or five weeks, and then I go back to Korea because my parents were planning on uh, doing all the immigration into migrating into USA already. They wanted to kind of send me sent me to US and how I feel about the environment and everything, and then 
and they gave me no choice because I love the place. I love hanging out with all the all the people around the neighborhood, playing Nintendo games, playing some balls every single time. And then they say, "Okay, move to U.S. middle school." It is not the same. They sent me to Florida, and we went to Maryland. Wow, that is very, very different. <laughs> and you were uh, you were in sixth grade then. I went into middle school as seventh grader. Seventh grader, okay. Yeah, and for Montgomery, uh, were you in one of those schools where it was like kindergarten through eighth grade, or was it one of those middle schools where you're? So for my county, of- uh, Montgomery County does. I think this is right. Uh, first to fifth is elementary. Six okay. to eighth is you, So you were in like the middle school, yeah, middle school. school. I yeah, went to one school, of those too. That's always weird because all the kids like are trying to act like the like you have a locker all of a sudden. Yes. You have, and, and, and everybody's acting like those kids. And we're uh, all holding binders team, and in the backpacks. Always- <laughs> and, and, and it becomes like uh, one of those Disney dramas about life in school. And mm-hmm. Middle school especially is bad. Yeah, middle school was it, it was rough. Of course, my yeah. language skill was not there. That's one. Uh, but the second one, because especially for P class, where only the guy has their separate ro- locker rooms, and we have some extra time to just change into our P clothing and all that. Uh, there can be some incidents of racism in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was basically tough, and I didn't w- really want to fight anyone. I didn't want to cause trouble because the more uh, trouble I cause, I have to speak more. And back then, I was a very, very passive kid. I did not really speak to anyone, only to very, very close few friends. And whatever they did, if I don't react to them, they would just shut up and then go on to someone else or do something else. And... Even though there were lots and lots of racism, I just did not really bother too much. And middle school was the worst, I would have to say. And then moving on to high school, not as bad. Uh, moved out to a different neighborhood. Not just be- not because of racism, but because we got a new house. And then high school education, of course, playing a lot of, a lot of PC games throughout high school. And then in the middle of that, I find this thing called GameCube. Dude, that was one of the best consoles. And one I of find the this game called Super Smash Bros. <laughs> played Melee. <laughs> yes. Oh, that game's so good. For I don't know hours. I think I spent the most amount of hours in my entire life on that single game. And I'm still pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great game. It's a very interesting wormhole. And I love I love the whole feel I was just at in, in Yongsan uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. getting the uh, looking through that old game market. If you guys ever come to Korea, there's this awesome uh, market in the, an area called Yongsan where you can check out. They're selling like every old thing and new thing ever in gaming. Like you can buy a Game Boy Color down there. You can uh, get something, some weird modded, uh, you know, an old CRT television with a Super Nintendo built into the top. Uh, where you put the cartridge into the TV to run it. Just so much cool stuff. But I, I, there's something romantic about Smash Brothers in that you are playing on this old tool. You know, and, and you're you're playing on an antique as far as technology is concerned. Yeah, nowadays, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, what a, what, what a cool piece of equipment a GameCube was. It came with a handle on the console so you could pick it up. Yes. And carry it around. It was very portable. Um, you just plug in your... 
plug in your cord and you just play with friends. That's yeah. all you do all day long. That's what I used to do along yeah. with all the friends. And not to, of course, only a few gamer friends I'm talking about, of right. course. And that was basically my life throughout, throughout middle school, no, throughout high school. And moving on to college, still played a lot of FPS games. And I was good enough to actually win a few minor tournaments and community tournaments. And a few of the FPS, like Sudden Attack, CS. And was enough to pay some tuition out of my college because I was playing a lot of games. Not going to class, of course. Only when I have to. But I needed money for my tuition. So I, ground, I grinded myself to become a better player. And back then, I was a competitive player. But I did not know about much about esports, even happening, which was year 2009-2010. Then after that, did not graduate. Of course, did not graduate, but I ended up start working at Volvo for as an engineer. You were rec- you were recruited, or you you quit, and then you got a job there. Or... I mean, what what was that? Was recru- you were in recru- school recruited in a way in the math building? There was like a job fair, and okay. then I just got a little lucky on that. I guess they liked me a lot. I was weird though in that math building. <laughs> I believe they were also having some like a pie day or something with a lot of food on the side, and just all the nerds just playing with those those pies and just enjoying those pies all <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so you got so you were recruited at Volvo. How many years in school are you at? Uh, s- sophomore, second year. Second within year this, okay. within the second year or, or by the end of second. Wh- what year. What was your major? Uh, math and st- statistics. Okay. And so you're at Volvo. I mean, that's got to be weird. Were you like one of the youngest people then in the company? Yes. And there were a few. You would be like, what? Would you be 20 or no? Or maybe yeah, 20 yeah, just then? 20 or 21. Yeah. Yeah, just okay. 20 or 21. And I actually go into this big, big name company. Yeah. And it's, it was one of the. So I was I was sitting in a cubicle, of course, working on a lot of software, hardware putting it together and seeing what's wrong, what's right, what can we do? No, what can we do to make it better for better ma- gas mileage basically for all the trucks. And I did that for about less than a year. And there were some cool moments where we had to test a lot of engines. I got to see like a really big engine just blow up in front of my face. And those <laughs> prototype engines cost a gazillion amount of money. Yeah, and it wasn't my fault. I'll verify that. Oh, well, at least I think <laughs> he told me before we went live it was his fault. But <laughs> Volvo might be watching this. So. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> the Volvo lawyers are on the phone right now. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, please continue. Yep. And then, and then, I found myself. Okay, it's sitting at cubicle all day long, going back and forth, commuting for hours. Is this really a good life? For me, can I do this forever? And I said no. In like just a day of thinking within the driveway, and then I and then I quit within within <coughs> within the next few days after sorting out everything. And then I just went on a break. Okay, let's just chill out. It was a long hard work. It didn't really fit me too much. I can't really work at a cubicle. It gives me a lot of stress. And I was just playing a few games, and then and. Uh, I get a scouting call from a music company from Korea. 
because I, within all this, I was writing a few songs here and there, trying out for. You were a songwriter. Some. Uh, Are you a musician? I wouldn't call myself a musician? a musician, but just a songwriter. But can you play? I mean, can you play an instrument? Are you being modest? Can you play an instrument? I, uh, not piano, not piano, not too much. But I can do like violins, and a few others. How did you get into songwriting? Oh, uh, I just thought it was cool. I played some basic, basic guitar, like major chord guitar, major minor chord guitar, and then I thought it was being really cool. There are lots of cool songs out there, but I wanted to have my own songs, and. You can just pick up a guitar and you, you can just writing. You you just write down notes and then you make the melody. That's how you write the song. It can, it can be really easy or really hard if you get to know a lot. And then I just started recording how did, melodies. How, how did you learn that though? I mean, how does one get into you know song that? I, I don't mean to be too repetitious here. I just mm-hmm. I'm not musical at all. I'm not from a musical family, but. It just seems to me like songwriting would be something you get to after you've gone through a whole bunch of other musical things, right? Like uh, learning to play an instrument, Mm -hmm. learning to sing, learning to perform. And I feel like songwriting would be at the end uh, of all that. But you seem like you're somebody... Well, you're telling me that you just do songwriting and then everything that would seem to me to become before that, it, it isn't there. So within the songwriting... You don't even write. You don't even have to write the entire song. Some people just write melodies, and they sell melodies. That's totally possible too. Really? Yes. You don't really get. You don't really get the copyright for the entire song, but you can actually sell the melodies only. That's that's also possible. So and and all you need is your voice and guitar to actually write the song. Like when I when I'm saying I I wrote songs before and when I even before I came to Korea, I mean like. It's basic, just singing melodies with words and guitar, or I can actually just use the mi- mouse, use a music program, and just pinpoint on the key on the keyboard. I mean, piano, and then that's a song. That's a songwriting. The really basic, really really basic elementary songwriting. But after sending uh, sending in a few of those, uh, this Korean company actually liked me, so he wanted to have me as a trainee for some time. I was doing nothing. I got out of Volvo. It was at the right timing. And then I thought, okay, office work is not for me. Maybe art, music. It's another thing that I love along with gaming. Sure, why not? And then immediately I went to the Korean embassy because I had to get, I had to really clear that military service because I used to be a Korean. Just so everybody listening, all Koreans have, Korean able-bodied men have to do what is it now? It's 18 months or 20 months? I think starting of, from next year, it's 18 months. So it's soon to be 18 Army. months of compulsory military service, if not that, some form of community service. And Chiklef is ethnically Korean. And so that would be complicated, right, if you had to come back to yes. Korea and then serve in the military. Yes, because there are... Don't mean to make this rude to anyone. Because there are, uh, because there are lots of people who actually like go to US and have a baby and then come back and making the baby a so US Fox citizen. Fox News anchor yes. babies, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Korea does not really like that. Right, right. And just to make sure that I'm not one of those because I I've, I've stayed in US for over 10 years, yeah. but just in case and I lost my 
Korean citizenship when I got my U.S. citizenship back when I was 18 or 19-ish. Yeah. But still, I had to clear all that. Make sure when I go back to Korea and live for, I don't know, half a year, one year, two years, three years. It's already five years. But I just did not want to waste time bothering with the military service. So I, right. so I cleared that with the Korean embassy as soon as possible and got my Korean visa. And within the next two weeks, I actually bought the ticket and flew into Korea to start on music. That's why I actually came to Korea initially. And I know that you're, you're NDA'd uh, under a lot of the work you, you did there. So I know we can't go into that very much. But how many years were you there um, doing that? About a year and well, official, officially about a an year. And then, some, and then I moved out to part-time, just helping them out for like a half a year. And then after that, uh, no relationship ever since. So I know we can't go into, you know, what 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 you did there, but you eventually segued from there into uh, working at On Game Net, right? Mm-hmm. And On Game Net, um, I know we have a lot of different people that watch listen to this podcast, but uh, that's the premier uh, gaming network television channel in, in Korea. What was that transition like going from working into the arts? I know that television entertainment is a form of the arts, but it's a very different culture i believe what was that like for you to switch into that quick break here guys if you're enjoying what you're listening to please support us on patreon that's patreon.com forward slash the tasteless podcast the funding you give us there goes to make shows like this well this show specifically i should say more awesome but uh, speaking of other shows like this i also want to plug my friends over at the untitled esports show um they do an excellent job it's gutex slasher and zorane uh, Gutex and Slasher, I've known those guys for a long time. Slasher, I think I've known him for like almost 15 years. He was one of the few people I would see at events that I was working at a long time ago. And Gutex, I've been a fan of what he's been doing in the FGC forever. I've never had the chance to meet Zorane, but the three, the three of them together are charming. Uh, it's a very informative show. It's hard to keep up with everything that's going on in this industry, and I think they do a good job uh, at that. So check them out at the Untitled Esports Show. Well, first, I was a big fan of LCK. And when I came back, came to Korea for music, went down to Yongsan. OGN used to be at Yongsan on top of those buildings. That building, they had a venue there and watched a few SKT games. It was really fun. Got my first-hand experience with live events. And I really liked it. But only as a fan, I had no idea that there were jobs available and they were looking for jobs. And then one day I just go into one of OGN website and they were hiring, hiring translators for written translating and also live translating. And then I said, heck yeah. Why don't I just send my, send in my resume? It seems like it seems really fun. I love gaming. And back then when they were doing all that, I just sent my resume. Not really thinking entirely that, like, I really want to do this 100%. Yeah. It would be cool if I do it. And then in a few weeks, I receive a call from OGN. Hey, let's have an interview. And then right after that, the interview went really well. She could tell that I was a hardcore gamer for a very, 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 very long, <laughs> long, long, long time. And then also, she made me translate on site after listening to some of the Korean cast. 
And she said, do you play any other games other than League of Legends and all the games when, you when, mentioned? When she says that you, you translated on site, was, was that in, into a microphone? Because you've done this at GSL. If you guys listen to this season at GSL, mm-hmm. G-Clef translated, I want to say, like, what, like maybe half of the season of Code S or something? Yeah, like about six days. We, we've had several translators, but um, you were definitely on it right around the um, early middle of this season at mm-hmm. GSL. But was that what you ended up doing when you were at OGM? Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, at the interview, she just uh, turned on a video of the Korean cast and then made me translate with, yeah, just and then just straight up just talk to her in in English instead, so she can listen to it. So after that interview, I got a phone. I got a phone call in just a few weeks, and says you're you're gonna be working with OGN, and but but few other games and i started with vainglory and at the moment That's i was a mobile um mm-hmm. yeah, mobile moba 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 yeah yeah which is still fun uh, it's it's a great game and really well made love the engine the graphics and the first ever broadcast that i thought i had to translate was i thought i was i only had to translate for the players or they actually ogn actually brought foreign players foreign teams for an invitational tournament and then i thought i was doing a fine job and then on the first day of work they put me on camera of live trans live interview translate translation because the foreign team actually won <laughs> so were you freaking the fuck out yes inside i was <laughs> Flipping out. So, <laughs> there were like hundred frogs inside my stomach. Yeah, this is this is one of the funny things I've found. So like, because just you know, one thing about G Clef is he's done. You've casted now in Korean, in English. Mm-hmm. You've translated live on TV. So you've basically done unscripted analysis in two different languages. You have actually done simul translations, which is you could be working for the UN probably if you wanted to. Like you could, you've been doing really uh, technical stuff, but there's something about when you have to go on camera and say what is going to amount to 40 seconds of stuff that gets really weird and stressful because you only have that limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to translate, you know, the translations here in Korea when they interview the winner, it's not that long. Yeah. But it's like, okay, I've got to get the next five sentences out perfectly. Or it didn't go well. Uh, Did you have any feelings like that? The first interview, first live translation that I did with the foreign player was actually not bad because I actually played the the mobile game Vainglory for weeks and weeks before to prepare. So I knew all the gaming words. And the player ended up not speaking too many words. So... <laughs> So I was actually okay, and I was the one that had to like complete the sentences because, you know, actually, uh, this is one of the things in the esports players when they're focused on their games on stage because they can literally like get zoned or wired into the monitor or their device, they're not nervous at all. But when they go on interviews, yeah, they shake like crazy, like they they're shaking the buildings, <laughs> yeah, they're shaking so <laughs> much, yeah. So he was basically speaking few words. So it was easy to translate, but I didn't even know that I had to be on the camera. On the oh, first so you were actually on camera translating? Yes, on OGN, live, went out to the TV on my first day, and I didn't even know that I had to, <laughs> which is really cool. 
really really cool and that's even that's literally how i started translating and how i got into esports so you did that obviously that went well and then eventually you were casting leagues out here um how did you come about doing that because that's that's a transition that i i don't think i've ever seen before is somebody who's who's translating and then moved into casting so back uh, a few years ago for heroes and as i started doing translations for about a year and a half for heroes of the storm back then super league for ogn and wolf schroeder proxy wolf and dan uh, artosis those two are casting for a long long time but because of some schedule conflicts happening here uh, here and there and there was no one literally no one else to fill in and if there were other casters and i've been translating and playing the game for a longer time than the other casters and then i got my chance to cast because i had to fill them in just one day a season for wolf or for proxy wolf or artosis and then even after those few casting gigs i did not actually think that i would be casting this much back then I didn't actually think that I was a caster. I would be a caster. Didn't even think about that at all because after those first few, damn, I was like a puppy. What is it like in front of the mic? <laughs> yeah, that's um, I've, I've I've talked to some people that have done this where to be catapulted onto a live show like that where. I've always thought that when you're doing a live show like this, it's kind of like trying to keep a spaceship in orbit. Like once you're in outer space, it's like, well, if this falls apart, you're just going to die. Yeah. So we just have <laughs> to keep this thing going. Like we can't focus on, you know, and that's why sometimes big delays are just a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, like someone's computer crashes, you go, no, are you serious? This, yes. But that's got to be, I mean, that's quite a transition to go from, you know, the, these micro bites that are obviously very important is what, what are the players thinking? You're uh, trans, you're communicating their thoughts to the viewers mm -hmm. based off what they said. So I was really lucky. I was really yeah. lucky to actually fill them in and have the chance. And one of my first casting with proxy wolf actually was the finals of power league, which was supposed to be done in three, four hours went on for nine and a half hours. My first official casting. With no, him. what? Oh my god! Almost threw, almost, almost jumped out of my window. <laughs> jumped out of, out of the window. It was only oh. a second floor, so I wouldn't have died anyhow. Yeah, you would have just broken your legs, <laughs> and then they would have pulled you back upstairs and said, "Finish the fucking cast." Um, lots of issues with that final. Yeah, I've I've had, <laughs> I've had plenty of, uh, bad. Ex that's an extraordinarily bad one, but that is. Wow. So, and so whenever I start translating or casting, like something amazing in a bad way happens. And then I was just put on stage, just like you said, catapult. Yeah. Just catapult on stage. And things started working out for me. Yeah. I was terrible at the be beginning. Uh, still, I think there are a lot of things that I need to work on, especially the language part, diction, blah, 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 all that, so on. But Wolf helped me throughout the years of casting with Heroes of the Storm with him. How to have chemistry, the selecting link, selecting words, what to say when. Uh, he's been helping out a lot. 
But to go back to your question, I think it's chances. There are chances if you love game, if you love games, if you have played a lot of games, if you want to work in esports, there are chances that are given to you from time to time. Sometimes you're you're supposed to be the one that's at least knocking on the door or slightly open the door. Yeah. But as long as you're ready, I think there are lots of open doors for esports. You know, so for someone who's aspiring to do this, I actually, I think you make a good point where it's that you know you got to not close any doors, and I think not think too conventionally. You know, I I, I got into this just because I I got knocked out of USA finals, and I just I didn't have anything to do. You know, it was going to be a two day tournament. I got knocked out in the first round. It was a like final twelve or final sixteen or whatever it was. And I'm like, okay, I don't have anything to do. I'll, I'll go ask if I can commentate with the guy that was on the stage because the guy didn't know the game that well. But there wasn't some master plan. You know, I just, I've, I've joked about this before with people, but I want to keep this con going where I get to keep talking about my favorite game. <laughs> I don't want to go back and, and have to do something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean... You're here now, and, and you've, I think you've transitioned very well. You're doing Clash Royale and, and, um, and Dota 2. Is it possible for someone to stay in one game in esports, or is transitioning a necessity? From title to title, I mean. I don't think I have to answer. I'm talking to the person that doesn't have to transition into any other we'll game. See, we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see about that. But, 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 but put it, putting me aside, I mean, in, in uh-huh. general, it seems like a lot of people have had to transition. And here, I'll, I'll actually push back on that real quick here because everybody thinks I've only casted StarCraft. I've casted like 15 different titles. I just did a – it was mostly odd job work, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I did, you know, a couple seasons of other things. I did do Heroes of the Storm. I did oh, yeah, Heroes no. of the Storm at ESPN. I did, yes. I did World of Tanks, which everybody thought I was forced to do, and I actually just said, yeah, when they asked me. I did World of Tanks for like two or three seasons, but I've done other games. I mean – I've been doing StarCraft, I think, longer than anybody's been doing a, 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 a one thing. Mm-hmm. But I, even for me, I've diversified in, in my cast. I, w- what is your take on that? Because you, and the reason why I'm asking you this specifically is, out of all the guests that have come on the show, you've had the most diverse background as far as um, things I've seen you doing at different shows I've worked with you on. <laughs> I, when I see you and I'm doing a show, I don't know what you're going to be doing yet until you tell me because you've been hired for so many different roles. There were lots of different titles that I was involved in, not just in translation or uh, casting. I was helping with the written translation in a lot of different ones. Back in even Overwatch for Apex, I had to do lots of live translations on camera and off camera. And StarCraft lasted the entire year of KSL, which was really fun, of course, hanging out with you. That was fun, man. We had a good time, (laughs) man. And... Yeah, even GSL, so including StarCraft 1, 2, Heroes, Dota, Auto Chess, Overwatch, uh, Point Blank, which is another great FPS. Yeah, Paper Thin was just doing that in Russia. Yes, we went there together. Oh, you guys are both there? Yes. Okay. We just came back a couple of weeks ago and can't remember, but there were at least a few more titles that I was involved and the point I want to make is that I'm still pretty new to casting. Only my third. It's going to be my full third year in in October. And after that, 
And I'm trying a lot of titles because if you get super lucky and if you're super talented, of course, you can grab one title and you can stick to one thing. I think that's possible, but with very, very extremely low chances. So I'm trying a lot with a lot of gamings that I love. And I have refused to cast few of the games because I just not feel bonded to it. And I could not really get into the zone for those. And there were some other other games that had offers that would you like to cast this game? And then I said, I have not really played the game and I'll try it and let you know. And after trying, I don't think this game really ex excites me as much as the other game as I'm used to the other genres too much. So I, I had experiences of refusing the games. But in time, over time, one of the one of the games that I that I love or casting may go for a longer time, like StarCraft or League of Legends, and then maybe I can finally find my new home. I think that's possible. Heroes of the Storm. There's still a Korean league going on inside yeah. Korea, uh, thanks to Africa TV. Big big thanks to Africa TV and Kevin, the CEO. Yeah, and we're just gonna have another season in just a few weeks. But it's Korean castings, of course. That's another story to tell later on. <laughs> later on, but uh, as Heroes of the Storm does not really have a global league, I do need to find this uh, another big title that I can focus on. I love all the games. Do you think it could be auto chess? It's possible, but there needs to be a lot of work to be done. Like first of all, they need observing mode. They still have, don't have exact observing mode for the. For the mod because it's a mod in dota 2 i think there are lots of challenges i don't i'm not a code i'm not the code writer code breaker so i don't really know what's going to happen but there needs to be an observing like right now because games getting popularity and when that happens they can't just sit and do nothing they need to do some compet competitive scene esports it started already and when that happens you need observing modes if that comes too late, it can actually be. I think it. Yeah, the timings are really important in all the games, especially for esports. I think there needs to be a boost in speed of observing just coming out really soon. And if that comes out within like the next two months, it's got the potential. It's really fun to watch and play. Uh, another quick little break here. Um, I want to do a quick thank you to both John Kernicki and Charlie Sheever. They gave us, uh, each of them gave. The Tasis podcast, $100 this month, and uh, it's really appreciated. That money goes to pay for you know the mics, the editing. Uh, we are hoping if we get enough, we'll eventually get a third mic here so we can have more voices on the podcast. Um, if you guys are really enjoying what you're listening to and you want to support us, please go to patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast. Um, we have different levels. Um, in which you can support us and whatever you've got. If you can give it, if you can't, we understand. But if you can, uh, it's really appreciated. So that's, ta uh, what is it? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Tasteless Podcast. Anyways, back to the show. Anyways, I, I, I wanted to ask you specifically, since you know you haven't been doing HOTS casting like you were in the past, I know a lot of people who've been tuning into this are probably people who have been following you from Heroes of the Storm. So what have you been doing lately? Um since the whole cancellation since okay. that day yeah. of december 14th i will yes. never forget that day <laughs> the announcement day no notification day basically yeah uh for me because i did not get anything personal 
like an email. You didn't get anybody directly no, contacting no, you. Not from not from directly from the headquarters or even the Korean Korean Blizzard. That's that was a heartbreaking moment as I just opened up in one one day in the morning. Yeah. Morning Korean time and then I just open up there's that big announcement. And then I so just you basically read, read it in the paper, like yes, on the website. Everyone else, yeah, on yeah. the website. I was one of the first ones from Korea to read it, and I was actually uh, just chilling out in the morning, and I was just watching. I was actually watching uh, Rich streaming. Rich, yeah. one of one of the really popular mechanical, po- um, possibly the me- best mechanical player from Heroes of the Storm. Uh, yeah, I was just tuning in and then just checking out all these things from twitters and the website and then suddenly around I believe 8 a.m 9 a.m it just pops up and then wow i just lost my words i didn't even know what to do and then i actually like opened up my personal stream because i i had no idea what i was going to do for the uh, for the rest of the year and all that that's got to be devastating i mean i i've talked about this you know i, I can't remember which podcast it was but you know, you, you hear these stories, um, for instance, in the United States, where a factory closes down mm. and the whole city is built around, uh, let's say it's Ford or, you know, it's it, they, they, let's say they make air conditioners out there and then it closes down and it actually collapses an entire ecosystem. I think when um, HOTS, competitive HOTS, um, basically on all levels was shut down. Uh, by Blizzard, it, it, it's the closest thing I've seen in esports to something like that, like the death of an entire industry. You have all these pro gamers who, um, let's say they postponed going to college or taking up a job. You have casters who've moved to different countries or um, have committed to doing a number of seasons throughout the year. You have teams that have invested a lot of money and in, in supporting players. Um, and then there's all these little tiny um, groups that are around that, you know, community, um, I guess podcasts like this or, or, or little shows that people put on, on the internet. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, when, when Blizzard took that down, it, it, it was crazy to me. And what was also, I think most shocking about it was, and it, just for everybody who's listening, Blizzard invite it, it, last year, and they've done this years before. They have what's called a summit, where they bring everybody together who's an influencer, so casters or, or, or streamers or professional gamers, and they basically update them on what the next year is going to be like. Because Blizzard can't operate independently, nor can you know someone like you or me or um, a professional gamer, anybody like that. So all these people come out. Um, it's usually right before BlizzCon. I know they've had them at different times uh, years past earlier. And then you get filled in on what, what to expect next year. And I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but everybody was told otherwise that it was it was going to be a full year of HOTS, of Heroes of the Storm. From Korea, I think it was a different sto- story. Really? Um, from NANU, I've heard that they actually received rosters for next year. Right. That's what I heard. Which means that they're having a, they're having the tournament for at least the next season, at least the first half of the year. That's that has to be planned out for them to receive the rosters from the team and the player. So everyone was guessing 
Okay, it's going to happen. It has to happen because they already took the rosters. But last year and the year before, they had usually announced the plans of next year during BlizzCon or little after BlizzCon. And the end of last year, it was a little different and everyone was just waiting for the news. Is it what's happening? Is it getting downsized or what's happening? Because yeah. usually it would be, even with some details, not to me, not including the details, like the big ones. Okay, we're just having this. We're going to have one like mid-season, the finals, like just like what we did before. That usually gets released around November-ish, af even after BlizzCon or right before BlizzCon when they had it early. But until December, there was nothing. Even the community was saying, okay, we're getting nothing. And there were a lot of other casters even asking for, okay, there's no news about anything about competitive HOTS and... I would like to, we would like to have something from Blizzard and there was no official answer until that moment. So including myself, all the community, the casters, and there are even more, not just teams and players. There were productions also being shocked from the news. Yeah, it's, I don't think people realize how many individuals it takes to actually put on these shows or especially to run these leagues. So, I mean, when you have something like that shut down, it's, it's incredible. It, it's also um, kind of crazy because it sets a precedent for every other game then mm -hmm. you can pull the plug on the esports program yep and then yeah there was after right after that moment within like the next few days or a week even the other especially blizzard related game pros or related guys were saying are we going to be the next one is this really happening they were also getting scared because yeah, it's it happened in starcraft it happened to heroes of the storm it could happen to anything that was what's coming to the other games well that's what they thought at the moment because this is actually scary it actually happened everyone was jokingly saying something like this because heroes of the storm realistically it's not the most popular game in the world and a lot of people know that we acknowledge that and that we still love it and we have the passion on all the players feel the same and we know that that's what drives this game and the community, everyone together to be better, to have more popularity. You can bring friends to play together. And we know the fact that it's not the most popular game. And I, I see the PC Bank charts all the time, every single week. It's not even in top 10. It's usually in like top 15, 20-ish so, so all just the time. Real quick here. Um, uh, what G Club's talking about when he says the PC Bank charts, the, the PC cafes in Korea all have a ranking list Yes. of what game is the most played and it's usually uh out here a way to kind of have a finger on the pulse of what's actually popular at least in in big gaming communal settings i mean a lot of koreans play a lot of their games multiplayer wise in pc cafes mm -hmm. not at home yeah it, and there's a chart and it's national and especially for it's it's a good way to read the trend it's because more than half is actually being played by students most of the time so we know what's uh, trending for students and that become they in in few years they become the trend they become the most numbers in which games and we we can also get a good read of what's the next next thing next big popularity in genre of games but going back to hots yeah after those moments it was really tough the entire december i don't even remember what i did i just remember just drinking out a lot along with the green <laughs> casters that used to cast hots too yeah and, <laughs> and like uh, the really popular, the Caster Park from 
from GSL. Yeah, yeah from GSL. Yeah, he would just cast. he would buy us all the food and the drinks all the time, just saying, "Oh my gosh, it's just terrible." But I'll just just guys come come out, come out whenever you want, and I'll just buy you drinks and food all the time. And he was he basically took care of us for the entire month. Damn. Yeah, it was it was really rough for a lot of us. Damn. Yeah, it's it was so weird to see that happen because I mean I, I've done some hots casting. I did a Heroes of the Dorm for ESPN, and I did a little bit of casting at OGN, but I I ended up kind of getting maxed out on on how many plates I could keep spinning um, at that point in time, and went back more into just StarCraft too. Um, but I know all those people. Or not all, but I don't know a huge amount of them that worked on that game. And what's it's it's crazy to see that happen. And and especially when you think that, you know, for all the money that's talked about in esports, um, and how big it's getting and how much it's growing, most of the people are not making that much money. People are working really hard to try to to, to get these games off the ground, to try to promote them. Um, and so to see people working that hard and then the plug is pulled like that is just a, a devastating thing. Yeah. From a major, major top, basically top fake five. game company. Yes. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. It's, it had to be shocking for a lot of you out there too. And, but well, in, in some ways it is understandable. So, you know, Heroes of the Storm, the way I see it, you know, you had the MOBA boom. So Dota 2, or mm -hmm. sorry, Dota 1, actually. The original Dota, which was a mod of Warcraft 3. Yes. Got big. It got bigger than the actual multiplayer of Warcraft 3. Uh, so big to the point where you could go into, let's say, a computer gaming store, a PC game store in China, and it would have a, signs that said, this game lets you play Dota. And it would be a game, Warcraft 3. <laughs> this game lets you, you play, play Dota. Because people would come into the store asking for Dota, and they said, well, you'd actually, actually, it's a mod inside this game. It, it got that big. And I guess it was just, it was ignored by Blizzard. They did not, at that time, they had not directed attention to the mods that were occurring inside their own game. And so then you had a company like Riot, who now is a dominant force, not even just in esports and in, in gaming in general. It's it's such a huge company. They basically went in there and, and kind of made their own cleaned up version of that and simplified it uh, and made it free to play, which they did way before Blizzard was doing, let's say, StarCraft II. That was still on that kind of weird model of like you buy our expansion packs and then you get all this stuff with that. Um, and so that got huge. And then you had Valve go to IceFrog who made Dota and just said, well, we can just make Dota 2. They don't even own the name Dota 2. They don't own the name. <laughs> so yeah. we can just make that and pull all these countries. And for the people listening to this, it's important to realize how big the world really is. I think there's a lot of projection about the games that you and your friends play. Um, th that's the trend that the world's following. All the Eastern Europeans, Southeast Asians, the Chinese players, when they heard Dota 2 came out, Boom. They're there. Mm -hmm. They were not necessarily waiting for it to be because it had been played on a Blizzard game, waiting for that to come out there. And then Blizzard shows up, albeit late, but what, at least in my opinion, and I'm curious your take on this, I think a really improved take on MOBAs 
uh, you know, with different maps. Um, you know, it, it, a concept of maybe forcing a little bit more team play, which I don't think there was as much of. But I guess it was maybe at least in, in my view too late and that our, everybody had already got on the League of Legends and Dota too. What is your take? Because HOTS definitely did not hit the mark that Blizzard had hoped it would hit. There are, a, mm, in history, not just MOBA, uh, of course, League of Legends had the first start. First start, for especially for gaming or anything in the industry, or especially online, which changes all the time, it's, it's critical. If you are the first one to start something, let's say like Facebook, or if you go into another genre, uh, it, in a different way, H1Z1, and, the yeah. and, and it went into Battlegrounds, which actually had a bigger boom right after. So it's not always like the first one becomes the best one. There can be a better version That's of true. it. That's true. With, with um, Facebook before, it was MySpace. Yes. And Zanga. I had a MySpace. I'm yeah, I'm cringing right <laughs> now. Me with my emo hair back then. Um, yeah, that's a good point. It's not always the first one or sometimes it's the second or the third. I guess with, with Battle Royales too, it was Black Ops from Activision mm. that did not seem to hit the mark. It was fun. I played for weeks and weeks. Oh, you really enjoyed it? Yeah, I enjoyed it, but not the Battle Royale one. Yeah, not, me too. Not the Black Ops, but the actual game. Actual gameplay, the team play. I love the team play from FPS, but uh, never really got into the Battle Royale mode. There's there's a separate name name for that. I forget. I can't remember what it is. I, I People know what we're talking about, though. But with, with Heroes of the Storm... Um, was it that it was time too late? What is was it that the gameplay mechanics were actually excuse me, was it was it the gameplay mechanics were maybe an incorrect take on what people wanted out of a MOBA? Was it even possibly the financial model and the way that MOBAs operate? You know, if you get into a MOBA, you tend to have to invest money over time and maybe that disincentivizes people from switching over to a new one. Okay, I still love the game. Yeah. And I tend I do play every couple of games every day-ish. And and I used to play League of Legends until season 4, until I hit diamonds in season 3 and 4 back in NA. Of course, I can't get diamond in Korea with that. But still <laughs> the, uh, so I can kind of tell the differences between the two two. And the biggest one is that uh not how you solo carry. Oh, people always talk about League of Legends. You can carry more as a solo player. Yeah, and you just carry the entire game. But League of uh, Heroes of the Storm, you cannot as a so single player because you share the the experience points with your teammate by levels, by leveling up all together, hitting the talents, which is the biggest difference I think with uh, between the two games. And League of Legends has items, and instead of that, Heroes with the level system, they have talents. That's the those two are the biggest difference between the two. Uh, I I agree I I do agree, but uh, but we gotta go into the opposite side. I think yeah, not just about the solo carry. When there are five five people playing the game, there has to be a person that's not as good as the other four, or there can be the black hole within the five. <laughs> They can yeah. suck up everything. Yeah. And for League of Legends, even if there is one that's dying a lot, 
not just because like there's one there's one that can literally carry the game it doesn't affect as much in your team to your team you get what you, you get yeah. what i'm saying well no i i i do cuz heroes of storm if you die you will lose so much because your entire team has to work for you in such more of a way going on depending on the map and all that but i think that's the biggest difference that i want to point out if you if i if i really have to compare so it's almost like blizzard made a team game that was too dependent on actually having players operate as a team because yes in and I, i've experienced this as well i full disclosure everybody listening i I tried Dota briefly and said, okay, I, I can't. I, I don't have time to <laughs> to learn. It, it, it's a great game. Uh, my brother loves it. He swears by it, and he plays it all the time. Uh, also, it's not as big out in Korea, so it's kind of hard to find people to play with out here. But I did play a good amount of League of Legends. I think like everybody else did when it came out. And um, obviously, I played a lot of HOTS when I was casting it. But one thing that I did notice was when I tried to get some of my friends who were not necessarily esports people but you know it's it's thursday night and it's 11 p.m and i'm at home and i want to get some of my buddies online to play a game i did find that in league of legends i could have somebody who almost had no idea what they were doing and we would still be fine if i was doing what i needed to do yes because you can actually make up the hole and do and carry the team a little more yeah and 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 you can also i think with with people who are just essentially newbies, you can designate them to kind of rudimentary tasks, you know, yes, and like just cover the, the, the turret and, you know, keep last hitting and then put a ward here on this bush for me or, you know, something like that. And, and with, with heroes of the storm, it seems to even at mid tier levels, it requires this degree of coordination. Um, that is, awesome but in multiplayer games and for what most of people end up doing in these multiplayer games it's going to be frustrating because you're dealing with people that don't speak the same language mm -hmm. who are toxic who just don't know what the fuck they're doing um and you know other issues as well and it seems like at times in a game like that it's like you're trying to do synchronized swimming and some of the people can't swim uh, in Heroes of the Storm, at least in my experience. That's true. And you're often forced into a team fight because of some objective or a mm -hmm. mission of, of a specific map. And you tend to fight a lot more. And I think that's one of the reasons why the black hole shows up often, more often times for Heroes of the Storm. Because there's less of a laning phase. Yeah, and if you are not good at team fight, if you don't really know about the game too much, uh, because of the team experience points, uh, which has changed over time, but still it affects a little too much. If one doesn't soak up the lane and misses all the experience from the minions, it hurts everyone else in the team in a way. And and we're always saying, oh, you should go, you should go to the top, or you should go to the top, or you, or the other one has to go to the bottom, and so. It can be, I think, in a way for a new person to absorb what the mechanics actually are and how the fundamentals of Heroes of the Storm, it could actually be a little tougher to absorb at the beginning. And it takes a long time to actually understand the rotation and why I have to be on to the other side. And it seems like, and because uh, Blizzard put this fundamental to put have this in a teamwork way, 
And not all people like playing, like, they like playing with each other, but they don't like to have teamwork. They want to show off. They want to have some show off moments and say, okay, I'm this good. I want to show off. I can carry the entire team and you guys follow me, which is yeah, that's, not really possible. That's a funny way to put it because I, I, I agree. It's like people want to play on a team, but they don't necessarily, at least in online PC games, they don't necessarily want to have to be a team player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Heroes of the Storm kind of brilliantly created... Well, first of all, state the obvious, they had more than one fucking map, which was exciting. You know, League of Legends, it's been... You know, I mean, obviously the game's gone through different iterations, but it's been the same map. Yeah, which is also uh, good characteristics. And yes. it makes the game so much more exciting for, especially for pros. Drafting is, it, it's totally different for every single map. They have to focus on different heroes. So it makes it exciting for the viewers to watch different maps and all. They, it has characteristics. I think that those are really good positive but side. The weird thing about it, though, is everything with Heroes of the Storm and it's kind of this weird Heroes of the Storm autopsy we're doing here, everything that was a perk for Heroes of the Storm also acted as a double-edged sword, a possible negative, I feel. Um, I got, you know, all the game TV channels out here. When I channel flip, occasionally I'll stop, let's say, on OGN. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got League of Legends on there. Now, I haven't played League of Years. I still know the map. I can still sit down and look at the map and say, yeah. oh, okay, and I'll know what's going on for the most part. Um, now, uh, you know, one thing with heroes is maybe with, with maps constantly changing, if you're not up to date with everything, maybe you can't enjoy the map as much. I guess some of that comes down to maybe commentary or explanations in between the games, which I think Blizzard was working on with heroes as well. Um, you know, you have the team play component, which, yeah, you got to work as a team, but for everybody who's not a, a, a on a pro team, if you're trying to queue into a random game online and do what you're supposed to do, if you don't have people that are able to coordinate, that can be very difficult. Would, would you agree with that? Yep, having that many maps can be challenging, especially if you're a new, new yeah. player coming into the game. Or there are different map pools, even for Quick Match and Hero League, uh, which is not Storm League, which combined the Team League and Solo League into just one now. So you can... Just go in as a solo, duo, trio. It doesn't really matter anymore. And you can just, it's all combined. But there are different map pools. So sometimes you end up playing a lot. You end up practicing. You're supposed to practice in quick matches and then go into competitive ranked match. And then sometimes you end up with a different map that you don't really play too much. And I personally even seen players, not just in server gold, plat, like even towards diamond. Oh, I did not play this map in ages. And then the other guy would just ping him all the time and it just becomes a mess if, if there's a one if there's one player that doesn't even know how the map functions at like a platinum diamond level. So there are those moments and you've said it yourself with the viewer experience, it can be challenging as they have to learn what how the objective actually moves, what you're supposed to focus on why the players are moving this way and that way, which is supposed to be basic. So the, even the commentary can't really talk about that all the time. Right. Yeah, because we expect the viewers to know that, like know the basics of the map and their 
And the commentary is supposed to talk about the details of why players are doing what. So for the viewers, it might be a little more challenging to understand the new maps too. When they come back, especially if they like... So a lot of people like leave the game for like a few months and then come back. And when they come back, it's harder to catch up. I think that's also one of the things that makes the Heroes of the Storm just a little mo bit more challenging than League of Legends. Now, do you think that if Heroes of the Storm had come out earlier, this, this might have been avoided? Because it seemed like Dota 2... Even though, you know, it's, it's Heroes is constantly, I think, compared to League of Legends. It mm -hmm. seems like Dota 2 was the game that came in and elbowed out of the way the people that wanted a more uh, light experience in playing. It was like, we're hardcore. This is a crazier MOBA. Uh, that might upset some League people, but I think even diehard League people can kind of get what I'm saying with that. Where, you know, Dota has all these aspects that just are not in League uh, in the same way. Do you think... Some of this just comes down to timing. Had we ordered this differently or it came out at a different time, um, it would have had more success. Yeah, actually, I've got that question a lot, even from the Korean commentators. Would it would this be in a total different position if Heroes Heroes came out like even even like one year earlier or two years earlier or like one year later in a better version of it back in alpha? There were a lot of concepts and less customizations and all that. Right now, it looks really good Yeah, with all the customs and drafting system is okay. But back then in Alpha, it was missing lots of functions. So it seemed, it actually seemed like it was in, what do you call it before you actually launch the game? Uh, open, uh, I don't know. It starts at... I don't know. I don't know the word for it either. I know what you're early access. About. Early access. Days. But Blizzard was following a, a pattern at that time that was weird. I don't know if that was because they had suffered such an impact from the Diablo three launch. Uh, with I think the game servers weren't working. There was problems with the auction house, and so instant launches. It seems like they wanted to get away from, and so then you had games like Hearthstone, which like I don't think anybody knows when that even came out. Like that, kind of, it was like slowly fed into, uh, you know, people would get keys and they start getting access to it. And maybe that was just so that they could make sure the servers were steady. Um, they would filter this out uh, over time. And then eventually it, it would permeate and everybody had access to it. Because um, I know I got it before some other people. Um, and I feel like Heroes was a little bit like that too. Was it not? Am I wrong about this? Was there a day when it was, you know, Maybe this is me being out of touch because I work in gaming. I, I, I was under the impression yeah. that there wasn't one day where everybody tried to get it at once. Is that correct? Yes. I think they eventually... Well, Blizzard... I think they eventually did a wonderful job and the opening day with Overwatch because that was one of those one of those people right. waiting, uh, I believe, May... We all got that at, around the same time, yes. Overwatch. And yeah. it was just launch day. The, world was, hard launches. the yeah. world was waiting for that server because, to open. Because with Hearthstone and, and Heroes of the Storm, and of course Hearthstone has been a huge, huge success. Totally different game. But I, I don't remember like the day Hearthstone came and everybody was playing at the same time. I remember kind of... I, I don't know. It was, it was a very different uh, way that it was released. But I mean, even beyond the, the nature of its release, do you think that... It simply was a great game that came out at the wrong time. Personal, my personal answer, and I'll be really honest about it. Even if it was a few years earlier, 
if they had the exact same version as alpha which was actually lacking a lot of the a lot of features that's still missing that's missing from the days that we have right now uh then i don't i think it would be about the same i don't think it would be like the top few super popular game even if it came out like one year early two years early if it came out before league of legends then i don't even know what's what would have happened because it's like a total different game from the dota all-stars from the warcraft and also dota 2 but here is because it has different fundamentals i think blizzard focused too much of let's be a little let's be different from what the current mo popular moba is and let's try to redefine moba in a way and there can be other versions of moba that can still have a, a good amount of popularity and it's going to be fun it is a fun game but uh, there are some obstacles for a lot of people to actually go through to enjoy it enjoy it and to to enjoy the game just takes a long time i think that's one of the biggest one kind of a steep learning curve there too um i mean i'll tell you i love the game it it it, it really bums me out yeah I'm, ta you, I'm talking about a lot of negative stuff about heroes but well i mean I'm we're kind of talking I'm, about i'm something. the one that loves the game yeah yeah well no it's 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 just it's it's something i just feel like is so important to talk about is you know the the way that that esports system operated the kind of game it was and and when it came out so we can try to you know understand what happened and and why it happened and um kind of with that and i mean I'm, I'm, i don't mean to make this podcast too dark there's other stuff i want to talk about as well i just really wanted to pick your brain on this because you're kind of the guy out here to go to with heroes um do you do you feel that it, and I've talked about this with Paper Thin um, and, and other individuals is this sort of general trend of, of companies imitating each other. So I started my competitive gaming career in StarCraft 1. Now, around when StarCraft 1 came out, before that it was WarCraft 2, which I also played. I mean, that was this is WarCraft 2 was pre-internet uh, for me and for most people. But between Star, uh, WarCraft 2 and StarCraft 1, there was nothing but rts games everywhere that was the game if you can imagine and there were more then than there are even let's say battle royales now um everybody was making rts games another big big one was um point and click adventure games king's quest monkey's island sam and max day of the tentacle um the list goes on and on and on these were the games that were made mm -hmm. at the time and so this is not a new trend um and there were few fps like doom like there was the old ones like rainbow six rainbow six the old old days near next to starcraft but right you can't really compare the popularity especially in korea right right um so there's a period where everything was in R rts we've had periods where you know you see this on consoles everything's like a, a type of japanese rpg was the big trendy thing for a while in certain consoles um we just saw the trend happen with mobas now i think most people remember three main MOBAs. They remember League of Legends, Dota 2, and Heroes of the Storm. Mm -hmm. But there's actually been several MOBAs that have been attempted to be made um, uh, that have been out there. It, and there's also several companies that canceled MOBAs they were working on and pulled out. Now, the next trend was that we're currently experiencing now is Battle Royales. Now, we've got 
well, we started, I think, with what the Armamod Daisy. Is that? Can you? Check, I, I want to make sure. What, what What is the first battle royale game, Melty? If you could just check that for me while we're talking about this. But I'm, I started on H1Z1. Uh, PUBG comes out. Mm-hmm. We've had several more uh, come out. We've got uh, Apex Legends um, that hit just recently. And I'm wondering, is there going to be any more MOBAs ever made? Are we done with this? Because I almost feel like if Heroes of the Storm had come out five years from now, when there might be fatigue from the way that MOBAs are, maybe it would have actually done better. But I feel like instead, all these companies that all have good ideas are all trying to do the same thing at the same time, and they're actually, in a weird way, mutually fucking themselves and each other over in the process. A Riot Games supposedly had a card game they were working on the same time as Hearthstone was about to come out and, and pulled back on that. And so I just wonder, is this, you know, in your opinion, I guess what I'm asking is, because I'm sorry, this question is a bit rambly, is your take on this more... What's your take on all of these companies copying each other? Is this good? Is the competition good? Is there a problem in the way this affects certain genres? Because I don't know if we're going to see any more MOBAs for a long time from anybody. Okay, there were lots of MOBAs in the early 2010s and even before that, like starting from, I want to say 2006, 7, 8. And into early 2010s, crazy amount of MOBAs, the most amount of people playing that genre. And then after, and, it's, and after years and years and years and years of forced, somewhat forced to play team games. Yeah. There were lots of people complaining because they like playing games. They like playing with friends, but sometimes... I just want to play alone. Like, I want to play 1v1 games, and there are a lot of people going back to RTS. And there are a lot of people just going back to just offline games, like back to consoles or JRPG. We want to go back to the old games and play that. This is stressful, being competitive, and playing with a a lot of people. And sometimes it's not my fault, and I get blamed on for no reason. There are a lot of those... Things that happen in MOBA oftentimes. And then people kept on saying, okay, maybe RTS, we maybe we'll go back to RTS. There was that big opening with the ba- with not just the battlegrounds, uh what's the genre called again? Battle Royale. Battle Royale, yeah. yes. And the first one was first one that I remember was H one Z one. A lot of people were really hooked onto it. Yeah. Which one was actually the first one? Do you have first one? What was it? Daisy? Or, so let's see here. Where where are we starting from? August twenty twelve, a grassroots tournament called Hunger Games Z. Quiet fuzzums. I'm doing a podcast. My cat's meowing. Sorry, buddy. A grassroots tournament called Hunger Game Z is organized featuring Daisy Twitch streamers. Yeah, Brendan Green. Oh yeah. Okay. That's only twenty twelve. And then with Daisy. So that's right. It was the PUBG mod for Arma 3. And that was what, 2013? 2014. 2014. 2015. Yeah, H1Z1. Yep. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're in this point in time here where the Battle Royale games 
are everywhere. Everywhere. Let, now, let's take my genre, RTS. No one's making RTS, except for a few indie developers. Mm-hmm. No one's making MOBAs. Everybody's making a Battle Royale. Um, is this a problem? Or is this is this avoidable? It will be a problem if all the players start running away from the genre. But for now, I think it's in a uh, decent spot. For a lot of players... But with so many different developers making a similar genre, it's been a trend in gaming gaming history like ever yeah. since the beginning. Like consoles, arcade, even from those days, JRPG, you mentioned it, uh, and then RTS. Even yeah, even even arcade games, the beat 'em ups. Yeah, the, -up the scroll scrolling side scrollers, yeah, side scroll platforms. Yes, so there are trends in gaming and. It has to work because players feel when when it's basically a different game in different every every single aspect of it, it's hard to learn everything, you know? When it's yeah. similar, but if you find something better that you like that fits your characteristics personality, I think that's what that's the reason why developers try to have similar genre and but change some of the things out of the other games so and then have a different game trying to constantly like improve on each other in, mm -hmm. in a way like you've got this take on it but here's our twist interesting yes like for example PUBG has a lot of traditional classic movement from the F normal FPS like you fight within, you don't fight within the map but when you're shooting you can't really move too much you got to use the trees and the vehicles and the buildings a lot to really work your angles and how you're supposed to shoot, have your recoil. But in the same genre, Apex Legends, it's basically a hyper FPS where you can use skills. You have shields and yeah. you can like run away and you can snipe the other ones from far, far away. You get guns from just looting out. In, in the same genre, it's a total different game. And depending on, depending on, the game that you think you uh, that you like more, you can just keep on playing it. That's I think that's a big one in genre that you can sort of copy the other and then have a better take on it. Or depending on the direction, if you want the faster speed, a lot more action, you can play Apex. If you want the traditional FPS, more realistic values, PUBG is the one. So for me, I tend to play. I was hooked for. Only a few weeks for Apex, but still right after that went back to PUBG. I've heard that from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of this whole the phenomena of, 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 of you know everybody following a specific trend, I feel like you're one of the people that's right at the forefront of a new trend that's probably going to pick up pretty big. Now, you've been casting Dota 2, the auto chess mod. Yes, Dota so, auto chess. <laughs> I feel like with it's auto fun. chess, I know everybody. It's fun, man. So with auto chess, you are either balls deep into this game or you don't know anything about it. Can you explain to the listeners what auto chess is? Because it's not chess. I don't think I can explain. You just have to see it. You just have to play it. It's a it's a mix in between RTS MOBA, some semi automated MOBA. And somewhat of battle royale because you have to be the best one out of the eight to survive until the end, basically. So it's a mix in between lots of different 
gaming genres. And, oh, dude, I forgot to tell you, man. Did you see there's already a complete copy of this game on cell phone, on iOS now? Let me show you this. What? Yeah, no, I I just saw this. I literally just saw this on the train ride down here and downloaded this on my Wi-Fi. So, um, auto chess, I think, is probably going to be the next big trend that's going to be copied. And um, this is sort of... uh, I'm going to try to log into this on my phone. I know they have the mobile version on Android. But is that already available on iOS, or is it some copy version? Hold on, of I gotta it? I gotta log in with Facebook so they can steal my information. Um, yeah, this. So like here, let me give you my phone. Have you, is this the same thing you get on Android? The is is it is this Auto Chess version? I don't think so. Is this a knockoff? There's already already the trend is happening, where people are all making their imitations, and I think what's interesting about this is on cell phone games. This just gets uh, out of control because cell phone games can be made pretty quickly and cheaply. Are are you in it now? I think it's a copy. Yeah, Auto Chess Origin. Are they going to make an actual Dota Auto Chess on phone? They already have it. They already have it? They already have it. Oh, my God. They already have the... I think with Inba TV, just having it on the mobile. Android version is already available. Well, this is not this on is Inba TV. This is Inba TV. It is? Yeah, it said Inba TV when I was loading it up. Then it has to be the right one. It right? has to be the right one. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was just, just saying it's a pretty good knockoff otherwise. But <laughs> um, is Dota Auto Chess? By the way, um, I, I'm still trying to learn this game. I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I have barely had any free time, but uh, it looks cool. Kind of like an automated. It reminds me of Hearthstone. And that there's turns, and it's not so much about mechanical skill. It's kind of about understanding themes and concepts and trying to play them to the very best or play around your opponents. Uh, is this going to be the next big thing? Is basically pieces on a board that you set up, and then you, the game says action, and they interact, and you're trying to plan and prepare in this sequential pattern um, to overcome, in this case, a group of... of eight other players so here's the thing it's fun it's addictive addictive by i mean it's so fun that it I, it can actually be grabbing you the entire night every single night because each game usually up to 40 minutes can go up to like 45 minutes so that's a long time yeah unless you drop out really early which still takes like 20 minutes at least uh, but for competitive Lots of RNG involved. And the fact it's not 1v1 for the people to watch for and also to observe from the production point of view, it's damn hard. There are eight consistent fights going on most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Which one do you watch? Which one do you grab? And because it's randomly you get randomly matched some to someone else on the board and then you fight the other person and the and when you're fight let's say I'm I'm one and I'm fighting number 3 but number 3 doesn't have to fight me number 3 might be fighting someone else right so there are lots of fighting going on at the same exact time on one big map on the Drodo Island oh is that the name of the map yeah it's it's made by the by made my Team Drodo. So they're calling it the Drodo Island. Okay, okay. So for competitive and esports, it's it's fun to watch. But 
think there needs to be a direction of which one do we need to actually focus and watch. But for casual gamers and for all the gamers out there to play, it's a great game. It's really fun. It doesn't really require you to have like crazy mechanics like from the MOBAs and all that. Yeah, you make a good point. Like, it's um, they're gonna have to figure out some kind of direction. They've been putting it on TV out here in Korea, but it's not. I don't know what the what the ratings are like. I mean, there's definitely something to that if they're putting it on TV out here right away because, uh, Valve basically pulled I think the Dota servers out of Korea a, a while back. Yeah, there's there's no Dota. There's server no Dota in server here anymore. There's and Japan so, and a few others right. nearby, but not Korea. Glep, buddy, thank you for joining us for the podcast, man. It's been awesome. I hope you can come back, man. I, I, I felt like I had a lot more I wanted to ask you, but it's fucking so hot in this apartment. It is. It's, uh, we we got to work on this. We got to go uh, outside. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, and, guys, uh, thank you for joining us. Okay, guys, that does it for episode five. This has been a blast doing this podcast. It was really cool catching up with G. Clef. I hope to have him back on again soon. It's cool to hear the different backgrounds of people in esports and how they came to where they are. And I also, um, you know, I have a lot of love for HOTS. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of you guys listening do as well. So um, I hope that game can, you know, kind of stay around in, in whatever way you know it can, even without the direct support from Blizzard there. Uh, if you want to support us, guys, go to patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast. Again, the money you give us there really, it does help us out a lot. So if you can, we really appreciate it. This podcast was produced by Melty, artwork by Alarice, music by Mark Lentz. I love you guys. I will see you in two weeks for episode six of the Jesus Podcast. Bye-bye. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, that's a kiss sound. It sounded like a fucking squirrel was talking. I'm like, all right, goodbye. Goodbye.